Welcome, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anyone who's interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work that they do right here in Iowa. This is Iowa Innovation, powered by Nubuco and sponsored by Nine Master Good, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm Rob Merritt. And I'm David Tominski. And today's guest is David Hayes, the president of Coe College here in Cedar Rapids. And uh, David, this is actually your first time uh, co-hosting on a podcast. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you and David know each other. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for inviting me. Uh, this is the second season of the podcast. And finally uh, getting a chance to sit down with you, so I appreciate that opportunity. Uh, David and I have known each other for about six years, got connected by a mutual friend, uh, knowing that we both went to Co College, and uh, you know, just wanted to get get chatting. He knew that we had a lot of stuff in common, so that, you know, Dave's interest in uh, the work that's happening at the college, smaller Arts College here in Cedar Rapids that I went to, uh, graduated in 98, and um, you know, just talking about innovation, right? So, I mean, the, the mutual friend knew that uh, David was an innovative thinker, um, just thought about, in, you know, things in interesting ways, right? Not satisfied with the status quo. And um, so seeing that connection, he put us in touch and uh, it's been a great friendship ever since. Awesome. Well, we will get into how that friendship has led to some really cool, innovative programs at Co College. Uh, let's innovate, Iowa. This show is sponsored by Nymaster Good, Iowa's largest law firm with offices in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, and Ames. Nymaster's cutting-edge, positive legal approach has helped businesses of all sizes succeed for more than 100 years. And could probably help students out also. Uh, David, I know that you're working with students at things like Co-Oak Startup Weekend, student entrepreneurs who have ideas. What do you recommend to them as far as what they might need in terms of legal representation or consulting if they have a new idea? Yeah, so once a student uh, team would have an idea and kind of move it through a process, figure out that they've got something that they wanted to move forward with, we love putting them in touch with attorneys like the folks over at Nine Master Good to talk about just business organization, right? If they wanted to get an LLC, if that's really the next step, what are the different business entities that they could get set up? Uh, sometimes students think that they've got stuff that could be patented, right? So I'm a way to protect it. So having, uh, having some uh, good lawyers to consult with them on what is protectable, what is IP. These are all usually new terms to folks. So getting them in touch with some folks that know, it, um, know a thing or two about those subjects is pretty critical. And Nymaster Good is kind of a perfect example of that because with more than 70 practices areas, Nymaster has attorneys with expertise in all areas of the law, including corporate structure, capital raising, intellectual property protection, tax planning, employee benefits, labor and employment law, government relations, and litigation. Visit www.nymaster.com. That's N-Y-E master.com to learn what Nymaster Good can do for you. First of all, uh, David Hayes, welcome. And uh, and the two of you, you've known each other for a long time. Uh, David Tominski, you've been working with Co. for a few years now in your role at Nubo Co. But uh, I know that the two of you were talking about this before we started the podcast how did that relationship begin? How did you begin working with Co? Well, first, thanks very much for inviting me in today. I'm looking forward to the conversation and reviewing some of the things that Nubo Co and Co College have worked on over the last several years and uh, lay the foundation for what might be next. Uh, but David and I got to know one another. Uh, we just added this up last week uh, because a mutual friend was back in town and that friend 
connected us one time. Uh, I was having coffee with him. We were walking out of a restaurant, and Tominsky was there. And uh, he said, hey, do you two know one another? You're both co-alums. Uh, and I kind of like to pride myself on being a great cataloger of co-college names and keeping that, that uh, Rolodex top of brain. And I hadn't yet met Dave. So uh, we, made a, we made a connection there and then followed up like uh, most of these meetings happen over a cup of coffee. Um, and just got talking and a half hour turned into a lot longer than that. We found a lot of shared life experiences and, uh, uh, a lot of common interests and, uh, curiosity about many things that we, we, uh, were both working on and, and hoping to dive into. So it kind of started right there. We think that was about 2016 or so when we made that connection. Feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Right. Well, it's, you know, COVID years just double everything in terms of how <laughs> yeah, long you've known somebody. But. They sure did. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, and I, I think in a town like Cedar Rapids, those origin stories happen often, right? Where you've just got a mutual friend and they're just making those connections for you. Um, Co College is a small liberal arts school here in Cedar Rapids, and uh, that town's not that big and the school's not that big, but um, it is interesting. People just start running a thousand miles an hour and, um, having somebody slow you down and make sure that you're making that connection, I think is great. But yeah, I think that was about 2016 because we were just looking up old emails and you can quickly search that and realize the first time you and I had exchanged a message was was uh, only you know six years ago. So, so pretty cool. So those who are listening to this who are not familiar with Coe College, how, how large of a student body is it? Sure. So Coe is a private residential liberal arts college, very traditional space. Uh, so when you kind of think of a college campus in your head, what it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to feel, the aesthetics around it, that's us. And um, we've got about 1,300, 1,350 students um, and um, having a, a great fall as we return to much more normal operations with uh, great energy and a buzz around being back and um, would invite anybody in this immediate area to reach out and get to know us a little bit better. One of our greatest strengths and opportunities is the fact we're located here in Cedar Rapids and the Creative Corridor presents so many unique avenues for our students to learn beyond the classroom walls and really broaden what they can get from college. And you can do it at Co. in, in the, the best of both worlds. We're intimate enough that you're gonna get a first-rate, rigorous liberal arts education where your professors are invested in you daily in a way that's personalized, but you're also gonna be challenged by the broader world because you can connect with this community across organizations, businesses, cultural opportunities, arts groups, et cetera. So we like to say that we're in the perfect college town. Uh, maybe Cedar Rapids is not a college town that leaps to the top of your mind, particularly in this state. But in terms of what we're trying to do and add value to our students to prepare them for their next step, both personally and professionally, we are in a great space. And um, about the same time I met Dave, I was starting to head up an organiz uh, uh, organizational strategy at Co. to really double down on those Cedar Rapids connections and opportunities. Uh, we had just decided to move our career services footprint into the advancement office, which I headed up at that time. That was pretty novel when we made that move. Um, it's now catching on a little bit of little bit of steam around the countries as others are following that move. And it was designed to do several things. It was obviously we were hoping to improve our career services and, and uh, internship opportunities for our students. But we also added to that portfolio creativity, 
trying to get our students to become problem solvers and social change agents, regardless of their major or intended next step after college. And then also we wanted to, to really expand on our community engagement, whether it's our students volunteering, inviting the city of Cedar Rapids to our campus to make use of our assets and resources, et cetera. So that has ultimately grown into something we call C3, uh, Creativity, Careers, and Community. And uh, it's been a home run success for Co. And we were just, it was so serendipitous that I ran into Dave and got to know him as well as Nubo Co. because they've been a long, large part of the story of that success. Well, and it seems like that involvement of the community that kind of goes hand in hand with what Nubico is, is doing right now with Co. And uh, we're working a lot with the uh, with student entrepreneurs at Co. And I'm curious, what what is the entrepreneurial community like among Co. students? I mean, when you have kids who are still in school, how many of them are thinking along the lines of, I've already got an idea for a business I want to start? And how do you then nurture that for someone who's still taking classes while at the same time going, I want to start a business? Yeah, I can I can take that one. I think that as far as like an entrepreneurial community at Co, I think that's what we've been building for the last six, seven years. So I do think that as you get into really any form of community, I think the more you talk to people, the more you realize they definitely have ideas. So making sure that they have a place to go with that. Um, and I think that was part of what we were after, right? That creativity piece, the community piece, probably the two that are the ones that I connect with the most, but all of it's connected to careers, right? So like Co is now like one of the top internship schools um, in the country. And I think that that's part of the reality of just making sure that they feel like their ideas are warranted, right? That there's things that they can do with those. They're encouraged to foster those. So you go back and I... You know, even thinking about the beginning of C3, I think that was one of the greatest opportunities that I had as somebody in the community is being invited to Coe's campus to sit down uh, with a group of thought leaders of trying to reimagine what that could even be. So what C3, you know, became in those early meetings and then what it is today, it's just been fun to be along for the ride. Um, but, you know, more direct answer to your question, I think that you never know where those ideas are coming from. You don't know what those ideas are. Um, and you don't even know where those students are, right? There's not an entrepreneurship department necessarily at, at Co. But, you know, I think what we were saying in those early days is trying to infuse entrepreneurship into the Co experience. And I think that's part of the goal, right, is that we're at whatever department that they might be in, they can still participate in these events. They can still take advantage of the entrepreneur in residence, which is, uh, you know, a concept that I think that we we created just to make sure that that was available for students. So if they had an idea, and this isn't even just students. I mean, we had faculty and staff that are coming in. Um, so again, just trying to foster entrepreneurship inside of a existing college campus, I think, has been a pretty amazing opportunity for us. You mentioned the Entrepreneurship in Residence program. Can you talk a little bit more about what exactly that is and what it involves? Yeah, I think when we first started, so um, so Dave would have put me in contact. I think it was mostly Barb and Marty over at um, over at Co. and started to get an, an event called Cohawk Startup uh, put together. And really, that was a 24-hour event where students could come together, pitch their ideas, form teams, kind of work through some processes that we had been using with entrepreneurs through the Iowa Startup Accelerator. Who do they pitch the ideas to during that period? We end up getting a panel of judges from the community, so it's a mix. Uh, what's cool at Coe's campus is there's some pretty talented alumni that have been that have gone through that school. Um, so we usually try to pick up on some pretty talented alumni, but also business leaders, you know, folks from the community, folks that we've met along the way. 
Um, you know, so just trying to get a good blend of people that are either on campus or part of Co's network, but also part of the community. And yeah. so that, that final culmination would be pitching to that panel. Um, the EIR, the Entrepreneur Residence, that came a few years after doing that event, where it's like, it's great that we have this 24-hour event. There's more opportunity, right? You can have office hours, mm -hmm. variety of different things. But to allow somebody from Nuboco to be on site um, and actually be in, in the same office that C3 is located, so students have to just, you know, sometimes only cross the street, right, and come in and actually meet. So that way it, it, it allows us to offer services around entrepreneurship you know, year round as opposed to just one, you know, one time a year. Yep. And uh, it, I think what we recognized pretty quickly is we had this really energetic, fun, charged up weekend where all these great ideas were bounced around, a whole lot of spitballing that goes on. Uh, one other element of that program that I should plug and thank people for who have participated in the past, in addition to community judges who volunteer their time, we also have a ton of, of local business leaders, some of whom are alums, but not all, uh, who give up a chunk of that weekend, come in and work with those teams. Uh, and we try to get a, you know, a, a, a slice of the different areas of, of business startup uh, to, to be there and help those students really poke the, the holes in their ideas and, and bring a little dose of reality into the, what they're trying to brainstorm and work on. Um, and all of that pulled together, I, I think, is is super exciting. And, and so there's ideas that don't make it past the cutting room floor for that weekend that then some student wants to pick up with and keep moving forward. So that's where Entrepreneur in Residence comes in. Um, not only is it Dave's time and people he can connect us to through his network, but it's also our alumni network and, and partners here in town. And it just gives students an idea to keep the conversation going. And most importantly, uh, some of this comes with cash for the students if they win the contest. And uh, we connect them to the appropriate advisors. Uh, Nuboco has helped to uh, make sure that if you need you know, some just really preliminary introductions to some accounting, some legal formation, these types of issues, that these students aren't just kind of out on their own, but instead they have uh, people who work in the startup space helping them with some of these entity questions and uh, IP concerns and that type of thing thought out, um, maybe not to a solution, but at least, you know, fleshing out what the issues are that you're going to have to tackle. Yeah. I imagine that coming from students, there have been some pretty uh, imaginative ideas that have come through that startup weekend. Has there been anything that students have worked on as, as student entrepreneurs that stands out in your mind as like, oh, that was really cool, or I'm like, that was a really cool idea? Uh, or or it's, maybe it's something that's still growing to this day? There's just too many examples, I would be honest with you and tell you that. I think that one of the things that really stands out for me with the experience at Co, because we had been doing this stuff in the community for a while prior um, to, to introducing this concept to, to Co, and one of the things that really stands out is that not everybody that was going to school and had ideas were trying to get rich, right? So we had been doing a lot of work on high growth startups, right? How do you get an idea and figure out if it can scale and make, you know, a hundred million dollars, whatever. Um, these kids wanted to solve real problems that they saw in the world. And it was really fun to see that and to help them kind of connect with those things that they were passionate about. So lots of ideas around sustainability just ways to make the world a better place. Um, certainly looking at issues that they personally saw, uh, either for themselves or for their peer group. Um, but 
you know, I mean, like I early on, uh, one of the one of the early years, I mean, it was just about like a community garden, right? But you were just thinking about, you know, you started to see these pantries showing up. So if you needed canned goods, right, there was places for you to get that for food insecure. But then the thought of like having a community garden and then the conversation became, well, where could we put that garden? Where on campus would this make sense? What are who's it for? What problem are we trying to solve, you know, realistically and getting them to really expand out and, and say, all right, let's have the conversation amongst our team. Let's think about who else this might impact. And uh, that quickly became something that wasn't just for students, but also like how do we connect Co to the community in a more um, in a more serious way? And honestly, I mean, like in the you know like what are we at six, seven years that we've been doing this? And there's probably about five to six ideas coming through um, each time. But even as Dave was alluding to, it's like. The idea that comes out of the weekend may or may not move forward. It doesn't change the fact that the student's been impacted with a new way of thinking about ideas. So that's what the EIR and that role came into of like saying, hey, if you've got an idea down the road, you kind of want to plug this into a, uh, into a model and figure out if it can work. But beyond just a business model, but thinking about like a mission aligned model, which kind of spoke to what we do at Nubuco, right, as a nonprofit. I mean, it's like, can say my say our mission statement all the time and realizing that so many kids they didn't want to get rich you know they just wanted to you know make a mark in the world that was positive yeah and i'd i'd add to that when earlier you asked about entrepreneurism on campus and within the student body and where are they at in that journey for themselves i'd say that one of the challenges is getting over that word entrepreneur because people come with with kind of their own uh, baggage around what that means and maybe too many episodes of Shark Tank and that type of thing limits what, what they can see in terms of uh, what it means to be a change agent. And, you know, when, when Dave talks about it, being exposing someone to a new way to think, that's really the entire purpose of a place like Co, right? We're, we're trying to teach you how to uh, critically assess large volume of, of information, whether you're reading it or taking it in from lived experiences or whatnot, uh, critically frame issues and then muster information and data resources around that to evaluate uh, best solutions and uh, sometimes paradigm changing thinking around those issues to produce solutions. That's the whole idea of a, of a broad based liberal arts education with, with particularized training in a profession or, or major. Um, and so many of this generation They've got something in front of them that they've grown up worrying about having to confront in a way I never really did when I was that age. It's just, a, you know, I think they're just more enlightened about the world. We were sheltered from some of that, I think. And when you're six or seven, eight, getting on that phone for the first time and seeing those images from around the world in our country, um, you want to change that, right? You want to you say, well, that's not right. <clears throat> I don't want to just accept that as the status quo. Well, those are all entrepreneurs. If, if you've got that mindset of, I'm going to do something differently to solve a problem, um, that if you can grasp that, and we have one lens through uh, Startup Accelerator to, to view that and uh, approach it and try to see how it will fit in your own professional career. But if we can get every single student to say, I'm a person who can make a difference in an organization or in their community or in a business, right? Um, we're not talking out people out of being uh, a commercial space entrepreneur, but if every single co-graduate has kind of in their DNA that they know how to frame an issue, collect data, solve a problem, that's a home run. And so that's the, 
that's what the kind of the larger part of all of this at Co is. We want really nimble, fluid, and tuned in uh, graduates who are out there trying to trying to move the ball forward in a positive way. And uh, Tominsky and what he's done there in, in that particular program is Cohawk Startup Weekend. And then the follow-up through the entrepreneur and residents has just been huge in, in putting a really concrete stamp on, on what we're trying to do there. That's a really good point, you know, empowering students and trying to help them to find new ways of thinking and feeling like they can make a difference. I'm curious, on this podcast, we've talked a number of times about the concept of failing forward, the idea that you cannot make progress or better yourself if you're not willing to fail. You're not willing to take a risk that might not work out. And I think that the older that you get and the more life perspective you get, the more that you understand that, the more you realize, yeah, you know, that thing didn't work, but it led to this. And now I understand better. But I'm curious, when you're dealing with students, people who are younger, people who maybe haven't had that life experience, and they're fired up, and like you said, they believe that they see things wrong in the world, and they want to they want to make change. And um, How do you get young minds like that to understand the idea that it's okay to fail, and that you will learn from a mistake, and that you don't have to... That they, when they watch Shark Tank and they see these people coming in and getting these like huge deals off of an idea that, you know, that might not happen for you or maybe that'll happen for you a long ways down the road, but there's going to be a lot of mistakes and stumbles along the way to get there. How do you help students to understand that idea and not be afraid to fail along the way? Yeah, it's a fabulous question. And if higher ed doesn't get that right, we're going to fail a generation of students. So give me a little bit of runway here to, to explain that. You got all the runway you that's want. That's kind man. of a bold statement right <laughs> there, right? Um, so that's always been an issue uh, that since I've been a professor in, in higher ed, how do, you, how do you catch somebody when they slip? Um, oftentimes, for so many of the students at Co, these are pretty well-prepared academic kids. They've had a lot of success in high school and, and uh, in academics, athletics, extracurriculars. You know, there's a lot of uh, mock trial champions walking around Co's campus, for example. Um, and they get into that first year of college, and they take a gut punch or two in a way that maybe they weren't expecting. And it, it can rattle a kid. Uh, so these are young adults that have had nothing but affirmation. And on occasion, they, they get blindsided by something. And oftentimes it's just they didn't prepare for the test the right way. They weren't anticipating the way the professor was going to you know, come at them with a, a question or something like that. All very doable and fixable. Uh, but if you don't get to them, and, and give them the pep talk. And there's a lot of narration that goes into this because we've all had that moment. Uh, there's not a single successful academic who didn't get smoked on a test somewhere. Um, and just sharing that, that experience sometimes is all you need to do. With that said, um, we've seen an increase nationally, uh, particularly now with the pandemic as that's expanded, where uh, students have not been in a community environment where they've failed. Right. Um, and there's this whole new phraseology that's popped up called snowplow parents. So, we, you know, we just got done dealing with helicopter parents or zooming in, staying right on top of their kid, uh, hanging with their every movement at college, tracking them on a phone. Uh, those parents now, in a lot of cases, because of the immense challenges in front of their kids the last three years, have actually gotten ahead of their kids and they're snowplowing every obstacle and every challenge out of their way. Um, so 
if you have a, a young adult like that, um, they've been challenged in all kinds of weird ways because of the disruption of the pandemic. Some of them have not been in a public space for a couple of years because of whatever their school's approach may or may not have been. And adversity comes at them and that failure. And it's a really new and novel thing for them. So all that is a way to say, I think we're going to have to adapt as well. And um, one of the evolutions in higher ed is instead of telling everybody, hey, you've got you've to norm yourself to us and our expectations, while not lowering those expectations, we're, we're learning better of how to meet each individual where they are and provide them with the resources and help they need to meet those expectations. And one of those areas we're going to have to adapt and adjust. We're going to have to be much more intentional about rewarding failure, so to speak, right? And, you know, recognizing that this is how you get better, this is what you learn, um, and how to overcome it and be resilient. And How do you do that? Uh, yeah, so I think it starts with, at a place like Co. Um, it all boils down to those really close connections and relationships that you have with faculty and staff. Um, and I think we, um, th- one of the first things we can start doing better is tell the story of failure. We all have something where like, oh, you know, I could have checked out right then and there and give it up, but I didn't and, and I learned from it and I, and I had some growth. So I think we also need to put students in some areas where they're a little more uncomfortable than what they've been before. We have to foster those with intentionality, with the appropriate safety nets involved. Um, and um, we're going to have to to tell the, tell the story of um, this is how you get over it and provide specific concrete examples. And there, there's probably some additional adjustments in, ter- in terms of our systems and our, our processes that, that could be tweaked or evaluated in such a way to um, spot the failure as it's happening and not give anybody a parachute necessarily that, you know, you don't want to become a snowplow parent all over again, so to speak. Um, so if you, if I you like can, that. yeah, if you can spot the fall and kind of be yeah. there on the rebound, <clears throat> I, I think that's, that's going to be an important role for us to play. But I think like now my kids are older, so that snowplow parents an interesting visual for me. And I, and I think the way you described it makes perfect sense too, which is, I really am trying to make my kids' lives easier than mine was. And I think the way that I help them is by removing obstacles. And the opposite is true, right? So I, I would maybe say, like, I mean, we've been talking about fail fast for a while now. And I think that, like, I kind of want to reframe it. Because, like, when you think about f- failure is the opposite of success, I mean, I, we know that that is not true, right? I mean, there's a lot of learning that happens along that process. And, but somebody's already defined, this is what success looks like. This is how you get an A in this class. A is the goal. You don't get an A. You've done something wrong. That's not true to me. You know, I mean, I think that um, – I think it was our mutual friend that was talking about, like, there's almost like an inverse re- um, relationship between success academically and success – uh, in the world, and I don't, I mean, it'd be an interesting concept to explore a little bit further, but um, yeah, i give you a little secret. I, I wasn't a 4.0 student when I was at Co College. You know, I think I'm doing okay. There's certainly areas for improvement, but um, I think going at it like I was just failing all the time was part of that stigma. So getting away from that and realizing that so much learning is happening, going through those challenges and sorting it out, figuring out, knowing where to look for help, 
Um, so to your point with the parachute, it's like, be spotting this stuff. I see, I see somebody that's struggling, right? The learning is a little bit harder for them, right? There's some ways that maybe we could adjust, but you know, the worst thing that we can do in entrepreneurship is to do the work for them. Because in the end, like the, the support network might change over time. So if in order for that business to be successful, somebody at Nuboco needs to run it, it's never going to work. Mm -hmm. So helping them kind of see, like we've learned over a period of 10 years now where some of these challenges are. So my job is to inform you. <laughs> like this is where I've, I've seen people struggle. This is what they've learned along the way. I, I often talk about like the, the end of... Uh, the accelerator program is always this culmination, much like Cohawk Startup. It's this pitch event. And so we finally got around to actually having somebody pitch the business that didn't work. It was so crazy to some people, but so much learning had happened in that 90-day period of time. That was such a wonderful story to be able to tell. It's a vulnerable, sto a vulnerable story for those founders to get up and say, hey, I had this idea. I tried this. That didn't work. I tried this. That didn't work. And then in the end, the business isn't going to work. But this is what I've learned, and this is what I'm going to do better next time. I mean, those are just some of the best stories I think that can come out of this work. Yeah. Now, let me add to that, too, because a college campus is, is a fascinating fishbowl to, to have a conversation around failure. And I think one of the things I've done over the last 10 years as somebody who was into that entrepreneurial language and, and, and bought into all of that um, is – it's a little more nuanced than, hey, fall forward quickly. Um, there's failure and then there's failure, right? Um, and I think one of the life skills that we need to teach at Co is to give yourself grace in the right spaces, uh, not be afraid of risk and challenge, particularly if you've calculated the potential consequences. And if you know on the front end you can live with those consequences, go for it. Uh, and then in, in the areas where a, a bad outcome is just not acceptable, you're going to have to give that a different approach. And, um, you know, I, I've always taken it as with, with parenting. Nobody says, well, of my, of my several kids, there'll be at least one fast fail in there and I'll learn from those mistakes and go forward. Right. I mean, nobody sets out to do that. Same with, uh, you know, your overall college experience. You want, you want the punchline. You've paid a whole lot of money. You invested a tremendous amount of time. You've got some part of your future riding on that experience in a macro sense. You can't fail at that. You cannot let yourself not find success. But within that experience, there should be a couple of things that you find out what you're not good at, right? So take that course in, in art or take that course in accounting or take that course in physics, whatever it is that you're, you're a little uncomfortable with. And even if you confirm like, yep, that's not who I am. Okay, that's a failure, I suppose, in a sense, because you didn't, you didn't hit that A that maybe you're hoping to get or, or whatnot. Um, but there's something there too, yeah. right? Learning, learning where your strengths, where your weaknesses are. Everybody's good at some stuff. It's an important lessonship in leadership, I think, is to know what you're not good at yeah. and flank yourself in those areas. I think the idea of exposing somebody to entrepreneurship and part of the goal is to help you know, like, is this right? Is this not right for you? I love the part about calculating consequences, too, because I do think people are, you know, can be pretty terrible at that. So the point of, like, in this scenario, the consequences really are pretty dire. Mm -hmm. So, no, like, we need to make sure that we know what we're doing. And in so many other places, we can learn through that. 
So to, to almost discourage people to try new things because of that fear of failure, whereas if they were to look at what the consequences are, like what's the worst that's gonna come out of this? You're gonna actually discover what you're really strong at, what you're not. And for us, from a team perspective, knowing what you're not good at and where you need to find help to round out a team, like that's, that's part of the goal. Like even in the Cohawk startup event, you know, it's just to start to kind of figure out like these are the things that I really love. I'm really good at this. I really love doing this work. This stuff I'm terrible at. Just I can't figure this stuff out. So in order for this thing to work, if I need that, you know, that's what I need to, I need to look to find that, find a way to fill that gap. Does the program also address the idea of students working together? You know, I mean, in the entrepreneur community, you're going to have lots of people who are idea people. And they're like, oh, I'm going to do this all myself. Um, how do you get those students to understand, hey, like you said, there are certain things I'm good at and some that I maybe yeah. I'm not. And if I were to build a team with other like-minded people, we could be a lot stronger than I would be by myself. How do you get that concept across? I think one, that it's not a department at Co, right? That it's like literally every student has the opportunity and is encouraged to participate. So you do have students that are coming to Co for very different types of degrees. Um, there's lots of stuff that I think we do on the front end to just encourage people to get around and to meet new people. Lots of stuff that we're doing to say like, if you came and you showed up and you're sitting at this table, like we're at, literally getting you up out of your seat and moving you around the entire space. The goal is to meet other folks. Um, and then when those teams are forming, encourage them to think about like, what do you believe this is going to need to move forward? And can you communicate that to others? And more, more times than not, you're going to be wrong. You're going to make some assumptions in the beginning, but to at least acknowledge that like, in order for this to succeed, we need people thinking about it in different ways. So that's another place where I think the co-event has been, probably more successful than the majority of them, which is the diversity of the people that are coming, right? Coast Campus, though it's small, people are coming from, I mean, I think when I went there in the 90s, it was like 40-something out of 50-something states were represented. I mean, there's like dozens of countries. So, I mean, just that, like kind of that, the world is landing on Coast Campus. And the fact that people are coming from different degrees, different interest areas, and you're just putting them in one space and encouraging that. Um, and again, there's no grade at the end of this, right? I mean, there's money at the end sometimes, right? There's connections. It's probably more about the connections than anything else. Um, so I think some of those success stories, you would say, never knew who this kid was until I showed up to this event, and now we're fast friends, right? Because we were thinking about, we realized that we've got you know some of the same problems in the world that we see. So, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, no, I think that's really well put, um, and and I'd actually say that. Success within the startup has come for the teams that do the best job of team building, actually. Um, and there's been a few times where uh, one or two people have an idea that they're, they're really centered around. They don't necessarily pull in every other insight and input that they might. And their idea gets better, uh, but it doesn't advance as far as it otherwise may have. So uh, I think... Uh, you know, if you've ever seen Dave facilitate one of these things, it's it would be pretty hard to be a wallflower, right? I mean, he gets everybody into it very early, lots of energy, and it's just fun. And um, so I think there's a there's a lot of uh, cross pollination of individuals and conversations in such a way that teams develop these little, you know, kind of they, they kind of get their little C suite put together, and 
in a matter of a couple hours on a Friday night. And it's it's a pretty cool thing to watch. And so, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, just in watching those students connect with some of the mentors and folks, I mean, I think honestly in the pandemic, like we were talking before, uh, before we started recording that like a lot of things shut down, but like the team at Co figured out a way to make Cohawk startup still happen virtually. And one of the silver linings of that is that it really encouraged us to dial in some mentors that otherwise wouldn't have been able to travel to Cedar Rapids. So, um, and I think that's something that I, I just try not to take for granted that like when you get out into your network and you realize some of the folks that you have been fortunate enough to have some shared experience with. So in my case, the fact that we went to Co, that we're at Co, other like lots of people have done that. And so some of the folks are in C-suites and some pretty substantial companies. And now they're getting interact, you know, they're getting interaction with 18 year old current co-students. That's good on both sides. That's great for the student, yep. and that's great for the person to be able to give back yep. in that way. So, um, I loved when that officially, you know, it just became really clear. And that happened right in the middle of a pandemic, uh, when so many people were just canceling things and couldn't necessarily figure out how to make this thing happen. But the team there is just, you know, always looking for a way to move forward. So I, I certainly appreciate that. So if uh, people who are listening want to know more about the, the Cohawk Startup Weekend or in general about what Co is doing with uh, student entrepreneurs, where can they find more information? Yeah, so uh, best case, like a lot of folks, is uh, our website. If you went to co.edu uh, and um, looked for it uh, under, I think, uh, Campus Activities is the landing page. I probably should have. Uh, refresh that. In my Barb will appreciate us just dropping her name. Yeah, She's just call Barb Tupper. Barb most, Tupper. You know, most things you need help with at Co yeah. College. If you call Tup, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have a pretty good start. But what well, we were uh, talking about C three as well. So if you're on Co's website, if you just type in C three, I think that that's a really good place for you to learn more about. And I think that's the reason why we're here today, right? I mean, that that to me is definitely an innovative program. I think, like you said, probably early. Um, on the front end of that curve, and now you're seeing other colleges kind of take up things like that. But Barb's been a tremendous resource working with her um, and just kind of connecting the dots on campus. I'll, I'll end on this final question to both of you. Um, both of you are, are very involved in the educational sector and in a variety of areas. And we talked before about what some of the challenges are about working with students today and, and helping them to understand failure and all that. But on the flip side of it, what energizes you the most about working with students and about where they are at this point in their lives? Uh, there's That's a big question, Rob. Um, and I would say this, like, I think the kids see clearly that the world has changed and a lot of the adults are kind of slow to pick up on it. Um, I think when I'm working with kids, the sooner you can plant a seed, get out of their way, uh, but be paying attention so you figure out how to help as opposed to just constantly throwing up these barriers. These are the constraints. Uh, those are constraints that we've built over generations, um, and some of them don't need to be there. So when you can encourage a kid to have their own idea that they're passionate about, you can give them some tools uh, to turn that idea into reality, those are the things that excite me the most. And I would just add this, is that I have been so fortunate. There are so many amazing educators in this world, and you know, through the work at Co and some of the work in schools um, that I've been lucky enough to be part of, like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's tremendous, the talent that we have um, that are really trying to build up and continue that foundation of education. But the ones that really want to innovate 
and know that the world is changing and they want to help um, kind of support the kids that are going to be part of that. Um, you know, those are some of the best opportunities, I think. Yeah, that's that's an inspiring answer. And uh, you, you, you touched on all the same things that I would. The feedback loop in education is the best thing in the world. You know, you you have a student who comes to a place like Co. Uh, look, almost half our students are either first generation or Pell eligible. So these are not kids coming from particularly affluent families in some circumstances. And they're loaded with talent and creativity and energy. They don't quite yet know how high they, how, how high they can reach, right? And uh, you watch them gain confidence and get their traction and start itching, itching that dream up every day. Uh, and really recognize who they can be. And when that happens and you see that click for a student, it's the greatest thing in the world, right? I mean, that, if that doesn't get you stoked, I don't know what would. And I think as disrupted and as challenging as the environment that we're going to find ourselves in over the next couple of years, it's, uh, it also presents whole cloth opportunity to rethink some of the things that we do. And so long as we do that rethinking, with a, a laser-like focus on what is best for our students. And if we answer every question from that student-centered standpoint, uh, we're going we're gonna to win on the end of this thing, right? And so we've got all the parts necessary to win the day. And so long as we keep that framing, and that's what Co has always been, is student-centered and, and how do we add value into the lives of our students. Our mission statement starts with we're going to measure our success with the success of our graduates. And um, that's the next step forward that we have to take, and uh, it's going to be exciting to go there with people like Dave Tominski and Nuboco. Well, I can't think of a better note to end on than that. Thank you guys for coming in. This has been a fascinating conversation, and uh, yeah, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you at the next startup weekend. Perfect. Sounds good. Go Cohawks. Thanks so much to our guest, David Hayes, for coming on the show. Uh, you can contact them all over social media. They are co-college, C-O-E, college. Uh, you can also email Barb Tupper, uh, barb at co.edu. She's in charge of that C3 program. Uh, their website is co.edu, C-O-E E-D-U. Hey, if you love the show, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog, to find key takeaways summarized and detailed podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Media Group. For more information, go to lasmediagroup.com. Finally, we sure would love it if you think about making a donation to NubuCo. Your contributions to our nonprofit help us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs across the state of Iowa. To learn more, visit nubo.co slash donate. Well, David, you behaved yourself really well today. I thought putting you and David Hayes in the same room, we were going to have all kinds of chaos, but you guys actually were uh, pretty on your game today. I appreciate you calling that out, man. It's pretty difficult for both of us. So uh, here we are. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It was a great conversation, and uh, we'll see all of you out there. Thank you. Thank you.